Welcome to A Lot Going On with Raj Katecha, and in today's episode, episode 60, I'm joined again by Arjun, who has very kindly offered to step in whilst uh, Vic is up to his neck in corporate work and Alex is doing his exams. Thanks for being on the show again, Arjun. Thank you for having me back. Wow. How was last week? Last week Did you hear back? Did you listen back to the episode? Of course I listened back to the episode. I love the sound of my own voice. Mm. <laughs> but, Amazing, but, <yeah>. me too. <laughs> <laughs> do you do that thing where uh, if you ever post a story, you, you're the kind of person to watch it back throughout the day? Like, just again and again. All the time. Again. All the time. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, actually, I actually listen. The best thing about Algo is I actually listen as th- I participate as the host and I listen back. Like I, I will... I think you know this from just times that we've hung out. One of my favorite mixtapes in the world is my Bitha. So I'll go back and listen to mm. it, even though I made it. And then the Golden Chamber mixtape with Wu-Tang Clan is one of my all-time favorite mixtapes, even though I participated in it. And going back and watching Vayner World is one of my favorite YouTube videos to go watch, even though that's one of my concepts. So it's like, I'm a big fan of my own stuff, man. Like, What makes it your favorite? Fan. That, that, could you repeat that? It, it The voice didn't come through. What makes it your favorite? Um, I feel like, specifically like the Mybetha mixtape. Yeah. Because, think about it. If you listen to the Thriller album and you enjoy it, just flat binary, you enjoy it. And then you get Quincy Jones's perspective where he tells you about some of the musical choices. You get stories from engineers that were in the building. You get Michael Jackson specifically to talk about it. The more that is revealed after the fact, the more you enjoy it because of the context. Now imagine you're the creator of it. There is no context to reveal, that's a downside, but you have all the context, which is the upside. So you're not waiting for the piece of art to bloom you know the reason why you made those song choices and if you remember as well because we'd spoken i think even prior to me sending you the first copy of my beta and you remember where i was in my life it was 2012 that march i'd gone to ibiza for a friend stag do it's my first time going to ibiza i was 14 years into a career in nightlife so I had experienced a lot, you know, Miami, other other cool spots, you know, Thailand, whatever. But Ibiza is a rite of passage when it comes to partying and nightlife. And so I went to Ibiza. It exceeded my expectations. I went with a bunch of rich brown boys. So we did everything VIP and I had to, I had to you know, do the same. And so we got to experience three nights of the best of the best that Ibiza had to offer from tables to shows to this to that. So I went, when it comes to house music, from not zero to 100, because I always loved house music being from Manchester, but I went from, you know, 40 or 50 to 100. And then I just bought my house that year in 2012. And I just got in shape. I was down to 63 kilos. I was single. I was traveling the world. I had crazy dough, (laughs) like crazy dough. (laughs) And that's what I enjoy like so much about it is that I know all the nuances. I know the people I'm thinking about when I chose certain songs for that mixtape. So yeah, I think there's something 
very intimate about your own work, right? When you when you play it back, you just know what's going on behind the scenes. Even with Vayner yeah, World, certain I, questions I that I asked. Yeah, see, there's so many um, parallels between Vayner World and Mybetha because I remember, like with Mybetha, you're picking quotes. And I remember you telling me how much some of these quotes either impacted where your head was, um, for, for that mix or where it was just in your life. And I think the same is true of Vayner World. Like, there were questions that you were, you were excited about some of the quotes in almost the same way that you were mad excited about some of the questions that yeah. you were going to ask Gary. But I, th I feel like you played both of them quite close to the chest. Like for you giving me that description now of like where you were with my beat, I don't think I've heard that before. Like everything together, which is... Yeah, I can't listen to my beat sometimes. It's too, it's too, it's too, uh, it's too triggering. Because I was going through like, I mean, I was living like, what you remember like you were there yeah. like i was living the life <laughs> like the, 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 I, I i could listen to you know drake's first couple of albums and be like yeah that's pretty much how my week's gone like do you know what i mean that and that's that's a rare thing and then the quotes you know 12 13 years ago to be or 10 11 years ago to be put in like seth godin quotes in a mixtape or gary v quotes in a mixtape that was unheard of at the time not only was it unheard of as a concept people hadn't heard of those people yeah so yeah uh, was yeah, it I the right time in your life to drop my beat like if you could if you could pick another time to timestamp with a project like that no that was the best time because i peaked like I, I was i was approaching the peak of the london experience get there in 2005 three years later gherkin for my 28th birthday party so that's yeah. three years after landing and then Three years after discovering Gary Vee, we're doing Vayner World. You know, Russell Peters thing is already popping, had already popped off and was killing it. Mobile Awards, killing it. Wu-Tang Clan Project, great. There's just been, from 2005 to 2007, there was a lot of wins, a lot of big wins that started to compound. The selling of content next to The Guardian, I think Thingy was online by then as well, wasn't it? Wasn't Sync online as well at that point? Yeah, it was. I don't Yeah, think it was. Because Sync, Sync's over 10 years old now, and it's 2013. So Sync had either launched or I think it was, was about to launch. Yeah. Yeah, so for those listening, Sync is the, the one, basically the first like suburban karaoke bar in, mm. in northwest London at the intersection of basically where all of the Jewish and Gujarati people live. So there's a lot of money around there in northwest London. And uh, I was involved in co-founding that and did a sweat equity deal. So, yeah, man, Tw that end of 2012 was an was a ultra special time. It went higher, though, you know, by 2013, because that was, that was Vayner World. So that was 10 years ago, this, this last couple of weeks. Yeah. I, I love what about you? How... Do, you, do, you, do, you, do you like your own? Sh go on, go ahead. I love my own stuff. Like, and for the exact same reason. And uh, my, my thought was, isn't it incredible how really good pieces of content usually mean more to the creator than it could ever mean to uh, someone viewing it because of all the perspective. Like mm. you were saying that you don't really have anyone telling you stuff that you don't know about it, but it's al almost like self-reflective th um, therapy where actually you get mm. to dissect how you, you, you've essentially in your own language, in your own language, one that you speak, understand fluently and that probably no one else knows, have time stamped and spoken to yourself in the future about where you are. And yeah, I've got pieces like that. I think for me, it's uh, music that I've made around the same era. 
that like at the time I was songwriting, producing, whatever it would be, that definitely kept kind of the same thing. Like there's lines that I wrote that was told that were told to me by other people, and then just you know you, you shift them around to make them rhyme for whatever reason. But um, yeah, and even even more recently, like I love timestamping my own journey, not through accolades, achievements, awards, but through oh that was a period in which I ran a campaign for these people and the reason I made it a little more dark or shifted the colors this way is because I was feeling that way. And like, I, I definitely have um, a, a six month span of like using certain color palettes just because I'd just broken up with my ex-girlfriend and I was just feeling that kind of way. I'm like, I'm just going to make sure that everything I create, because I think that we're quite similar, it's, it's truly reflective of who I am, is, mm. is on, and you know, we, ha we have the benefit of being able to pay attention to things like the way things are edited, co colored, sound, feel um is actually a reflection of where i'm at with obviously mm. a mix of the client brief if that's what's going on but um yeah definitely got pieces like that yeah it's important it's important to to do that and i'm i'm also cognizant of the fact that you know people say like oh i was the first person in my family to get a degree or i was the first person in my family to get a job or i was the first person in my family to you know whatever it may be because yeah. especially with our especially with the generations that came before us there was a lot of change right you're talking about like farmers and shopkeepers and factory workers right through to like our generation doctors psychologists and whatnot so i'm quite conscious of the fact that i'm the first person in my family to have produced this much content like i produce more content than most people on the planet <laughs> period yeah. but but think about think about like future generations that are like gonna look back at my content and be like oh yeah like we can we can literally see this guy like working it out in front of us like when we did the gherkin for new year's eve 2010 we started recording that from the moment we walked in when the stage wasn't in the right place when the mics needed to be set up all that like that's all documented albeit on tape it's now been encoded but that's all documented i'll tell you what the craziest one is i don't know if you saw this on my instagram the other day uh it came up on my youtube and it was the video that you shot uh, at the Dukan podcast where oh yes I saw actually you posted yeah so I, I reposted it and to your point about it capturing a moment in time and it being this kind of like very significant diary entry is that was the clip where I was like that's the hustler's mentality you'll never see me any other way I'm gonna win I'm gonna win I'm gonna win I don't care and I watched that clip when it came back on my Instagram memories actually I must have watched that clip about five to 10 times just on memories, just to be like, yo, is that where I was at? Is that where my head was at? That in 2017, I would just pull up to a podcast and just spit it like that. Like it was, and you remember the premise of that video, earlier on in that video, I say, look at the week I've just had. Yeah, I was just gonna say, apart, like it was the I've end. Of yeah a week <laughs> of, of yeah week. and actually it's not even i don't think the uh, b-roll in that does it as much justice as as you could do but i don't really know how you're meant to encapsulate a week like that other than like a feature film <laughs> but um yeah like same for me like I, I i look at that back and just you pick the right footage and this i guess that's what it means like you edited that actually very close to the time it was this isn't like a piece of content that came out like a year ago and now you're putting it out it was a very tight window in which it came out because if I'm not mistaken, the podcast, the Dan podcast came out quite quick as well. And mm. the the clips that you chose, like the things that we were in love with, I don't know if we would have picked them again. Like there's that one shot where you're a silhouette where 
it's it's cool. It doesn't quite make sense in the sequence if 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 I'm using like an analytical brain. But me and you both saw that shot, and I was still new with my camera. I was like, I don't know, this fucking exposure isn't right. But um, mm. it just it hallmarks this. It was perfect for that week, and it does the same thing to me. It just takes me back to this week that my mentors flown me out to Dubai, wild in and of itself, on the merit that I'm able to run around with a camera and just keep it nice. Yeah, and it was so it was so uncommon as well. Like, do you remember we went to that we went to that hospitality executive's office, and we were sat waiting for the meeting and it's like the idea of people get freaked out if you walk around with a camera following you around in general today but yeah. in 2017 or whenever it was to be sat in the lobby of a big huge corporate office and as you're waiting someone's filming you waiting and then as you stand up to shake hands with the ceo when they come out that you're both being filmed i mean that's that was a head a head fuck you know what i mean for a ceo especially here in the middle east at uh, that time. No, it was really progressive stuff, man. I've got to say, like, it's it's weird, like, the everybody gets to a good place in their own way. So, like, we've just spent all this time talking about, like, are you a fan of your own stuff? Are you a fan of your own creativity? And I, I'm such a huge fan. But then you think about, like, the way that people tell you about, like, how to practice, like, self-love and gratitude and self-worth and all that. And you look at these videos on Instagram and it's all like, so I wake up in the morning, I have my uh, lemon lemon water with, you know, honey and ginger and turmeric. Then I roll out my yoga mat and then I place my right hand over my heart and then my left hand over my right hand. I close my eyes and I reflect and I, de and I express my gratitude and I allow the universe to tell me what it wants to tell me that day. And I'm like, nah, fuck that bitch, the streets. Like, I just get out. <laughs> I won't, I won't, like, I don't do any of that shit. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like, I walk outside my house and I'm like overlooking this beautiful turquoise water. I go talk to my, I go hang out with my friend. We go do a 5K walk. And in that five minutes, I'm literally like, yeah, I'm the best. I'm the best. I'm the greatest. I'm the best. What a day to be me. Whoever gets to meet me, it's going to make their day today you know, the dawn, like, it's just like in my head and it's none of this soft, slow ramp up relationship with the universe. It's all stemming from, from inside me. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And it's amazing. It's beautiful. In the, it's pure humor because I've never seen you see, watch someone else make any kind of content and not be anything but proud for them that they're actually just making content. They're like entering the art that you love. <laughs> That's why it's funny yeah. by the way, if anyone's listening, thinking yeah. the opposite. But actually, the thing that I like about um, your view, what what I think has, in my eyes, made you a master of your craft, or has at least segmented it, or at least uh, stamped it as a behavior, is that you like when anyone enters your craft, not because you invite the competition, not because you um, want to analyze it, just come and enjoy the thing that I love doing and come mm. and make it for yourself. Like every time you've given someone advice that I've been around be behind the camera for, or just heard, it's like, just just get started, just get moving. And I, I, I think that perhaps it's not very, um, it, it's very subtle in the way that you do it. Just inviting people into your home, basically. Literally. Just, yeah. yeah, I've literally invited people into my, I've done this one time where I've invited someone into my home persuaded them that they should work for my biggest client. They've gone and worked for my biggest client. 
then there's been some sort of politics and then I've ended up leaving. Timing was perfect, don't get me wrong, and I got paid. Yeah. But like it was, I tell people all the time when they're like, I'm lost, I'm lost, I'm lost, I don't know what to do. I'm like, you should come into the content industry. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, it's booming. And I'm telling you it's booming because of all the people on the planet, I'm, I've been in the post-internet content industry for longer than most people. Like from the beginning of Web2, I was in content. And I thought it'd be over by now. So if I'm sat here in 2023 telling you, hey, you should come into the content industry, it's not because I think the market's going down. I'm saying that nearly 20 years into Web 2.0, we are still seeing so much growth. The platform continues to expand and continues to host more and more talented people on it. Whether they do yeah. short form content, long form content, drone content, content about gardening, content about politics, genetics, podcasting. There's this whole genre of podcasting now, which is just aimed at giving men for the first time in their life an actual moral and ethical compass and operating system. You look at Alex Hormozzi and Tom Bilyeu and Lewis Howes and Jay Shetty and Gary Vee, like for the first time ever, even though the most you'd see would be men at a pub or around a fire or something like yeah. that. Now you've got this global campfire that is podcasts aimed at men where you can sit and powwow with Jordan Peterson, at least in your head whilst you're doing a 5k walk or whatever. So it's like, I always tell people come to the industry and it's so funny because a couple of weeks ago, last week, actually, I sat with this young cat who knows me and he's, 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 he's a, he's a bright dude effectively. You know what I mean? Like he, he does his thing. And uh, he sat with me and he goes, so what have you been up to? I said, here's where we are. This, this is where our companies are. These are our brands. And this is where we're making money. And he goes, oh, like I've got, one of my things is doing that too. So I guess we're in competition. And I was like, if we were, then we'd be in the same rooms. Like, I don't <laughs> see you. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not in the lobby waiting to talk to the client that you're about to talk to, to pitch for the same deal. And you're definitely not where I'm at. So what are we talking about? What we're talking about to summarize, and this is not like, oh, I'm a bad man. This is to say that there is so much demand from a raw economic perspective that still to this day, you could having not owned a MacBook, not owned a microphone, never logged into Canva, never nothing, 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 start your journey in the content industry today and within 10 to 60 days, be an actual billing professional in the content industry. Whether you take to making thumbnails or whether you take to writing copy or whether you take to just being somebody who works on a bigger set and runs and collects water and sandwiches for the talent and for the producers, there is so much opportunity and it's not stopping. It is an ever expanding orb that is just looking for talented people. And even with the onset of AI, although we'll have a little bit of, you know, we're going to see that the, the ocean change and some of the species inside the ocean change, there'll still be an ocean. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What are your, what are your thoughts on, um, the first, the first six months of this AI journey or, or specifically regards to open AI from, from an industry perspective, I think the subtle machine learnings that we have are one very powerful because it is they've been around for a while but i think there's a universal consensus over the last 
four years, maybe leading up to the end of 2022, that it wasn't very good. And now I think the opposite is true. But what's been very interesting as well is that when you have conversations with actual platforms, and so like we, I've had the benefit of now having agency access to like the bigger teams that deal with you when you have bigger spends. And for a long while, the advice was always just use broad targeting, which is a terrible idea, or it was a terrible idea, which is just don't set any demographics, don't just, just let the AI figure it out. It was very obvious, or at least we talked on the last episodes about conspiracy theories, here's one. It was very obvious that the reps for me were just convincing us to let the AI learn. And now I think enough people may have fallen for it or it's just learned enough that we're in a place where it's like, let the AI do. Um, it's certainly making low level advertisers and low level creators. Like if you, I, I thought this when I've, when I have taken my last role, I, I managed to join or I joined a quite a senior position. This would have been a terrible time for me to have started learning to make ads because a lot of the tasks that I had that allowed me to use my brain or like, you know, we used to select placements manually are now not even necessary. So the people above me know, like I know that the person that I'm training if might not need to be picking placements or picking copy, like just paste six different ones in and the AI is going to figure out which one's right. Um, and so I think it becomes yeah, you're, to, you're talking about you're, you're talking about there, Arjun, like being in your vinyl era. Yeah. Like if we imagine that that we went from we used we, we apply the metaphor of a, you know, 80 years of recorded music, which is from vinyl right through to the MP3 or stream. You were the last of the people that got to play on vinyl, which is that you actually had to actively interact in almost like an analog fashion with the full set of options that Facebook targeting gives you. And AI was there, but it wasn't, it, it, it was there not to do, it was there to kind of, I guess, help. And in some cases, as it sounds to me, if I, if I understand what you said, is that sometimes AI would not be helpful, you know, like you, you do a Hail Mary with AI. I think a, a good practical way of explaining this is that back in the day when we used to hit boost post, on Instagram, you had no idea what would happen. And people were like throwing, hitting boost posts is like basically just throwing your money down the toilet or like wiring money directly to Zuckerberg's bank account. That's what people <laughs> said. Whereas, whereas now you could probably rely on it to even not only target people from a demographic and selection point of view, but also even adjust the creative to then optimize that. So now you've got like a, a multiplier effect of, the demographic targeting is better and the psychographic and creative targeting is even better. So you basically come out of the gate optimized and that's going to allow each of these platforms to drive their prices up. Mm. That's going to allow them to make more margins and capitalize on what the R and D capex would have been to make this AI possible. Plus they're firing staff. So effectively what Facebook's about to do is Facebook's about to enter its own like 2.0, 3.0 era. And I think that's the reason why we've seen such a massive hike in Facebook stock price, I think they were up like 79% in the last quarter, is because they're shedding skin, they're shedding fat in terms of unnecessary HR, and they're allowing AI to enhance its most profitable part of the business, which is the, the ad revenue model. I think it's, it's what's really important to remember as a consumer, it's very similar to like military weapons, whereby if you're hearing about it, it's already been done, and chances are they've moved on to the next thing, which is bigger, better, and scarier. We've had AI for a while in creative and content and advertising specifically. 
Facebook has already been using AI to target you, and we've had access to these tools. ChatGPT for me, although in in from from a uh, inputting text and receiving back a query perspective, it's it's incredibly impressive and new thing that is it's been interestingly released to businesses and individuals at the same time. The version of machine learning or or like the thinking behind ChatGPT, which is can you scrape all the previous information and use it to generate an output that's usable to me, has been commercially available for a while. Here's an interesting one that if you didn't know that AI, uh, that essentially algorithms are working. Um, a conspiracy theory for a while, if we're still talking about them, is that my phone's listening to me, therefore, because I just spoke about um, fake grass to my friend, and suddenly, like all these um, fake grass companies are targeting me on uh, on on the platforms. It's not. It's actually just the AI has figured out, or the machine learning has figured out. We call them lookalike audiences. That you and your friend Peter are in close proximity to one another quite regularly, or you DM each other quite a lot. You are a essentially a lookalike, or you ha might have similar interests to Peter, which means that if he searched for grass because you two were talking about it, and he's been talking about it for like a week and just brought it up into conversation with you, his ads, because he's been sending content, and it doesn't mean he's been sending you grass emojis, it's just like you send each other memes every so often, you've now entered the follow lookalike which means that when I target people, it's not that your phone's been listening to you, it's that your phone knows what your friends are doing and understands that you are influenced by your friends. And so therefore, if I, if the machine, un, like, it's just a machine understanding behavior or us emulating behaviors so a machine can understand it. Sorry, teaching a machine a set of behaviors, which is that if a community of people are talking about something, you can inflate that by essentially helping the community talk about it. Oh, I just suddenly started getting ads about grass. Oh yeah, me too. I've been searching for it for a week. Great. Now you're both more likely to purchase it because you're talking about it. Mm. What, what do you think about um, these AI plugins? Have you seen these chat, chat GPT plugins that have been introduced? Yeah. I, for me, it's just making it much, much more accessible. Like uh, we were talking what, what's, about what's What's the best use case? In my eyes, it's still in copywriting, like in the amount. No, of, no. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know if we're talking about the same things. Like, OpenAI started its own, effectively, its own app store. Oh, and I you see. can install you can install plugins directly into ChatGPT. So there's only eight, nine at the moment. So one of them is like Zapier, which allows you to then jump out into five thousand other apps. You've also got yeah. Expedia. You've got OpenTable, you've got um, Instacart in the US. So you could say to ChatGPT multiplied by Instacart, which is one, you know, it's one search query. You can put it in knowing that Instacart is plugged in and you say, hey, I am going to be doing Veganuary, like vegan January. So I would like all of my favorite dishes, including bolognese and so on, but I want it vegan. And it says, okay, cool, here's the recipes. And if you're keen to carry on, I'll go to Instacart. I'll put all of the items you need straight into your checkout. And all you've got to do is just go there and make the payment. And that's it. So the thing is that ChatGPT today can only generate answers for you based on what it has access to. And that library kind of stopped in 2021. But what it's saying is, would you like a live feed of Instacart or Kayak or any of these other platforms 
to do this for you. So what happens now when, when inevitably ChatGPT and Emirates or Google Flights comes together and you go, hey, listen, my, uh, my sister's getting engaged in London at this time and I've got a conference in Amsterdam the week after. And it goes, okay, no problem. Here's some options for you. Like imagine Skyscanner GPT. Everyone's used Skyscanner, right? <laughs> Skyscanner is already great at getting multiple different flights and saying, okay, you fly, your first flight will be on Delta, your second flight will be on Ryanair, your third flight will be on American Airlines, your fourth oh. flight will be on Emirates. And if you patch it all together in a single payment, this is how you do it. That's what's coming next. To me, that's really, really interesting. Really, really interesting. Yeah. You see, it, I think it's because you're thinking like that. Uh, our friend, Serge, has one of the teachings he always gave, or, or the prominent teaching he gave me is the quality of your life is dictated by the quality of your questions. And it's almost upgraded to the quality of your life will be dictated by the quality of your prompts. Yeah. Which is like, if you don't know to ask that question, then, but to to your point, what's the best uh, use case for it? Uh, this, I don't know. I, I, I Well, let, 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 let me push, let me just push back on that point specifically. You can put in a low quality question. Like you can say, literally, like, because what's what Siri set up for? Siri set up for natural language processing, right? It's like, mm. hey, Siri, I'm going to be, I want to be vegan in the month of January. Can you put together 15 recipes for me to make across breakfast, lunch, and dinner? And then it would be like, yes, here it is. But what ChatGPT is going to do now that it's connected into, in this case, we're talking about Instacart, but soon it'll be yeah. Tesco, Waitrose, Sainsbury's, and so on. We'll say no problem. This is what you need. So just let's really compare a chat GPT use case for a normal consumer before and after the launch of this software and these plugins. So option one is the end of December. You want to go vegan in January. You start researching vegan recipes. You go to Google, you get 10 options on the homepage alone. When you go to a lot of these recipe sites, they're riddled with ads, they're riddled with ebook downloads, they're riddled with a bunch of junk, and you've got to sift through that to get your free recipe because you are the product and they need to advertise to you and wrap adverts around that recipe. Option two, you don't have to be exposed to advertising. You go to Sainsbury's GPT or Morrison's GPT. You type in, I want to be vegan in the month of January, and it says, here's the 15 recipes you're looking for. Please select the ones that you like or that you're keen on or that you have the utensils at home to make. Accordingly, we will pre-put the items into your checkout. And when you arrive at Sainsbury's.com, you'll be straight at the checkout page. And all you've got to do is just click or hit Apple Pay and they'll be with you the next day. Comparing those two scenarios and knowing that the latter scenario is at best six months to a year away is mind-blowing because yeah. why does the recipe page need to hit you with 15 diff different adverts for Eurostar or Disney World or Tefal cooking hubs or Dixon's or Curry's or whatever it may be when Sainsbury's would be like okay whatever whatever money you make on adverts hitting them with 15 inappropriate adverts cat food dog food whatever we'll just pay 11 pence to serve them these recipes and give them a, a, a checkout uh, page 
ready to make the purchase. We'll pay 11 pence, not for them to find us as one of 10 options and then click through and then spend 15 minutes filling their cart, but to arrive straight at the end of that purchase journey where all they've got to do is just thumb their laptop or face ID and boom, the items are on the way. That is so, so, so real. The existing customer experience becomes amazing. I think it still gets a little more muddy with the new customer experience because, well, what happens when the you, you asked a very good question, which is why do I have to watch all these ads? Because people need to get paid in order to make these things work. And so does, so does AI. Like AI needs money to run. I think at one point, uh, ChatGPT was running at a loss of like two, either between one or three mil a day. I don't remember. But it was, it was right. big money. Well, it's, it's not the craziest thought that I can pay money to the AI to influence its answers towards one or the other. Not in a great way, not to start spitting out factually incorrect information, but the same way I can, like, if you're looking for a podcasting service, I can pay Google to be number one or number 10. It's up to me. Well, I can pay ChatGPT, maybe I can pay ChatGPT using the same Google algorithms. And this is very hypothetical down the road, but if they need to make money from the conventional method, which is to sell the output to advertisers, can I influence the AI towards my product? And the, and the price that I have to pay is directly correlated to the quality of my product. If you have a shit website, it costs you more money to advertise on Google, everyone knows. Whereas if you have a good website, SEO friendly, like it's got all the information it needs, it's much less for you to pay for the same number one spot. There's no reason that- Yeah, but like, how, 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 do we, how do we access, how, to, okay, so let's just build on that. How do we access Sainsbury's website now? We search for it directly by typing in the browser. We maybe have an app on our phone or maybe we go through Google. And if we're looking for a product, maybe Google has spent the most amount of money to make sure that that product shows up first search. Now you just go to ChatGPT with the Sainsbury's plugin. You say, this is what I want. You bypass the whole web experience and you just end up at a cart. In fact, I would probably go as far as saying that it's probably likely at some point that ChatGPT won't even allow you to leave its environment. Mm. It will say, trust me, these are the items that you asked for. I've arranged them and put them into the equivalent of a cart. And right here inside ChatGPT, you can make a payment. You don't even need to go to their website. Sainsbury's then doesn't even care. You, 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 don't, you don't, well, it's the same as Amazon, right? You don't necessarily go to the retailer's homepage to make your purchase on Amazon. You make it inside the Amazon shop. Right now, if you could say to me Amazon, right now, you can do sponsored. Like they, there are the top three options on Amazon are sponsored, Like you can pay this money to Amazon this is, to rank one. Yeah, this, but this, this is where it gets different though. You can say, say to, that's different. If you say to chat GPT, give me vegan mints, then people can compete for that purchase of your vegan mints. But if you, you don't go to the high street and scream, I want mints. And then somebody walks out of Sainsbury's with mints and somebody walks out of Tesco and they all <laughs> offer you at different prices and bid for your money, Unfortunately right? Unfortunately not. Yeah, thank, thankfully, thankfully that's the case. So what you do is you go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pop into Sainsbury's. But now popping into Sainsbury's or Ocado or Morrison's or Tesco is just gonna be a case of chat GPT, these questions are for Tesco. Boom. And why would you choose Tesco? Let's not forget loyalty points. Let's not forget proximity. Let's not forget, you know, other things that would be benefits of, that you've already established with that brand. So the closer that these retailers are to their customer now, the easier they're going to find it when they offer them a GPT alternative because all of the supermarkets offer delivery now. But the people that have won oh. the business are the people that were closer to their customer 
beforehand because you've already been a physical in-store customer of Tesco transferring over now to their delivery service is no different. You're not going to be a 10-year customer of Tesco's in your local neighborhood and then switch to Sainsbury's if you already well, know what you know. That AI could increase the amount of meritocracy that we have that's currently clouded by our own loyalties or like things like loyalty points. Like I think that the waitress around the corner from me is the best option for X, Y, and Z. But it's not too difficult for an AI with all the information to go actually... If you want to just factually get this right and have your life at the best, it's the Morrisons over there. Just and only, and it can weigh the pros and cons of. It's only an extra two minutes for a saving of sixty pounds. Well, this is this is the genius moment of today's episode: fractional purchasing. Because if ChatGPT mm. is indifferent, and you're having an engagement party at home, and you've got a list of 120 items that you need from plastic cups to stuff to do icing with, to forks, to plates, to this, that. You tell ChatGPT what it is, and it says, look, on a adjusted basis, 16 items should come from Morrison's, 44 items should come from Sainsbury's, 11 items should come from Waitrose because only Waitrose do them, and I know that you only like the cranberry sauce from there. I will go and set up all of the carts for you, make one payment for me, I'll redistribute the money across all of them and arrange delivery to your house. And at that point, that's, if ChatGPT that's where we're going. On that payment, I'm fine with it. ChatGPT will ChatGPT will be in a rare position, I think, where they'll be able to charge you a service fee. So that's they'll, not they'll, rare. they'll Google already do it. They already charge like they, but they charge the business a service fee for but a fractional. But this, so this is different. This this is the opposite. This is saying it could you could charge it almost like a concierge fee. Like it could be yeah. twenty pounds a month to be on ChatGPT, but 11 pence or 15 pence for every time you want it to do this action for you. And people are going to be like, yeah, that's fine. I haven't got time to go to four different retailers. And the thing is, when you combine the savings you make across all four retailers, the amount of money you save is so high that actually paying a fee is is all well said and done. Now, they probably won't do a separate event. It's like when you work with a concierge, right? You have a concierge subscription service, but then you pay for every limo or you pay for every helicopter. This is like probably ChatGPT will just do it all for you for the for the subscription fee. It's going to be so, so, so interesting. And I think as well for, for creatives, we've already seen anecdotally amongst the friends that we've talked to and in our business as well, a massive drop, a nosedive in the number of hours and the amount of effort that we need to put into copywriting, especially if, let me give an example here, and I don't know if we'll put this out, but let's say you're working with a large corporate organization. The corporate organization says for every bit of copy you write for us, you've got to make sure these disclaimers are in here and these corporate hashtags are in here. So you tell ChatGPT, this is the sentiment of what I want to say, but no matter what, it must end with these three sentences. Write whatever you want creatively for the first eight sentences, but the last three must be like this because they've been legally cleared. And then it comes back with a version one. Dude, I've that's already that's, been the, that's the world that we live in. In advertising, mm -hmm. like chat GPT in advertising is all like, th there's actually a very real example of that, that I think is absolutely fine to share. It's given a list of cities uh, in, in actually multiple occasions, like, you know, geotargeting, you're given a list of cities. And instead of me spending like four hours going through demographic data and like, but hey, chat GPT, 
what's the similarities between all the people who live in these cities? Oh, well, 10% do this. They're more prone to natural disasters if you're selling insurance or the education level in all these schools is rather low if you're selling online tutoring or X, Y, and Z. And it just figures out what's going on from the start. And then it's actually really common for us to go, well, because it's about the quality of the prompt that you put in. From the perspective of someone who is X, Y, and Z, can you please write me a 160-piece copy incorporating this as a USP um, for a single mother living in Dallas? Mm. And it will just spit it out. Now, it's not creatively perfect, but one, it eliminates writer's block, which is, you know, like the the hesitation to even figure out where to start with it, because you start there and that will figure it out. And it's, yeah, the time saving is stupid. It it means that my output, Mm. it's much from a very corporate perspective, and some people may very heavily disagree, better that I get the client 10 pieces of creative of which nine might be wrong, but I do it in 30 minutes, than I spend two days trying to figure out the one that's correct. Mm. Mm. Because the time saving overall is stupid. You know, we dropped these bars once. I can't remember if it was me and you or who it was, but, you know, we, we still get this to this day with clients, right? They say, you know, with clients that we help launch their podcast, they, they'll do their first episode and we tell them a hundred times, you're not going to like it. You're going to have to put it out. Yeah. And they, they record the first episode. They do an edit. It's often better than they thought it would be, mm. but it's not as good as they imagined or they'd hoped. And so they go, you know what? I'm not quite ready to launch my podcast yet. I'm going to redo episode one. And I always say to them, I always say to them, better to do episode two than version two, episode one. Because episode two is the only way that you will have a step progress difference over episode one. Like you'll do episode one again and it'll be marginally better, hopefully but that doesn't, it's not going to help you with content audience fit because you don't know until you walk into the Coliseum if the people are going to like it or not. So it's better to get to episode two or episode three than version two and version three because once you've got those additional episodes out, you've got the compounding effect of, of three episodes. And, oh, and yeah. to your point about, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, like the creators that I think are going to win are the ones that use this to 10x their output instead of trying to continue, like, cause you've got two types of creators, one that just go for it. And they, they are the ones that win, like they're producing 10, 20 pieces a day. And those that are a small majority of these guys might win, but those that are chasing perfection. If you view AI as just another tool to, in my opinion, another tool to help you get even more perfect versus a tool to make you 10 times more productive. So you can find the single, like more likely are you to find a single piece of perfect content in a hundred pieces, than just trying to create the one. And so the winners, I think, are going to be the ones that use this to scale, like mm. massively. Yeah. And my, my top tip as well, being the, being the age that I am, and I've been through so many technological revolutions, is if you're looking at the AI industry right now, there are lots of use cases, lots of industries, lots of people analyzing it. But if you're going to do nothing else, take this tip from an OG. Start looking for who the First Nations are of this new land, which we call AI, GPT-4, GPT-5, OpenAI. So where have we seen this in the past? When you look at like the first nations of hip hop, you look at the poor people of the Bronx in the 70s. When you look at the first nations of streetwear, you look at some people from the hip hop culture, some people from the skateboard culture. 
when you look at the First Nations of mobile technology, you're really looking at the business community, whether it's the old brick phones or the Blackberries. And from that, that First Nations DNA will always be in the code of that paradigm shift. So when you look at people that are really killing it when it comes to mobile and content, you're talking about people that have entered the creator economy. You're talking about neo-capitalists. Well, where did mobile technology start with? It started with capitalists. It started with Wall Street and the square mile. So which started with those communities, then went mainstream, but then the people that leverage it the best are the people that are ultimately part of that original community. You look at streetwear and all that kind of stuff. Yes, you're going to get a soccer mom maybe wearing a Supreme hoodie when she goes to pick up her kids. But the ultimate cool kids are the ones that are going to Soul DXB or Rolling Loud or Coachella. They're the ones that that original community, you'll see, you'll see that drawstring start and end roughly at the same place over a 25-year window. So the way that you navigate AI right now is you've got to say, okay, listen, which community is going to come up and step up and own and cheerlead this new technology before anybody else? Is it the food and beverage community? Is it the transport community? Is it healthcare? Is it vertical farming? Sustainability? I believe, although I'm biased, that it's going to be the creative community because we are people that are obsessed with ideas and output and open AI is a super enhancer when it comes to that. So I think that's exactly where we're going to, where, we, where we're going to go. And that's where people should be paying their attention right now. That's where I spend a good portion of every single day being like, who is AI impacting the most? Who is it enhancing the most and which people are cheerleading it the loudest? Because that's going to be a great indicator species for how this technology rolls out. 56 minutes in, Arjun. I think we hit all of our talking points. It went super fast. Thanks so much. Is there anything else you want to say in closing? No, that last bit nailed it. <laughs> nice. Congrats on all the TikTok stuff you've been doing. That looks pretty cool. Do you want, your TikTok is T-V-R-T-L-E, right? Like turtle, but yeah, with a V. Yeah, turtle, but with a V instead of a U. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. That's why you had your car redone. Yeah, I decided to make it look like it came out of need for I've just been satisfying my inner child recently, just building a race car for no good reason. Yeah. yeah. I've just been having fun messing with TikTok. Like just it's an it's an output that I'm not commercially tied to, which is just car stuff. Nice, nice. Cool, yeah, nice. And now your car looks like C three PO's So <laughs> 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 Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to check out if you if, if you want to check out Arjun on TikTok, then uh, then make sure you go ahead and do that. Turtle, but instead of a U, it's a V. Thanks so much for checking out today's episode. Another one will be coming up at some point in the next week, I'm sure. But yeah, thanks for thanks for thanks for being the bridge here, Arjun. And um, like I said, I'm enjoying these episodes a lot. We're getting some bars dropped, and uh, I'm really hoping that it, it benefits some folks that are out there listening. If it did, and you are listening, likes, comments, shares, and being a conduit from this episode to your ears to another smart person is all we're really asking for. Have a wonderful day and thanks for watching the show. Next week, we'll have some other cool stuff to talk about. We'll figure that out in the meantime. Thanks. Peace.